there. Welcome to SpicFic NZ podcast, where we bring you the authors that aren't afraid to ask what if. I'm Matt Danaher, and I mostly write unpublished short stories. I'm Kura Carpenter. I'm a Dunedin fantasy author. My debut novel, The Kingfisher's Debt, has come, just come out recently. And I'm Nick Whitaker, and I have nine novels that are indie published at the moment. I don't know, in context with other podcasts, self-publishing podcasts, I wouldn't have a clue where we sit. Like, I don't know whether that's... I know. You need yeah. to find that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to, to... I'm going to 20 Books in November, and I'm going yes. to... Um, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to this one called Romance Author Mastermind, but I don't think anyone who podcasts is going to be at that one. But anyway, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask some people. Yeah. Are you allowed out. to take, like, a little GoPro and have it on your shoulder so we can just... Watch be me. there with us okay yeah, yeah if, you, if you see Lindsay baroka there you should ask her <gasps> oh my god i love Lindsay. <laughs> he's my favorite she's probably got like security staff to beat people <laughs> I, know, I know um i feel like i should say i am i have actually started recording um <gasps> it's actually quite good content i might not edit it out okay all right god what have i just said <laughs> We'll find out I'm just when trying listen. to think who I've insulted in the last couple uh, of no. <laughs> Oh, no. Mm. All right. Shall I do the introduction then? Yes. All righty. Here we go. Trudy J is our guest today. Trudy was born and raised in New Zealand, where she currently lives on a beautiful rural property surrounded by horses and cows, not hers, with her lovely husband and her cheeky eight-year-old daughter. She's been writing since she was a kid and for 10 years worked as a magazine writer and editor for several niche titles with topics ranging from hardware and electronics to holidays, recipes, and university-level research projects. These days, she writes urban fantasy novels that include weird and wonderful worlds, feisty heroines, and awesome adventures. She's been a full-time author since 2016 and has 14 novels published. She's also one of four hosts of the Spa Girls podcast, a show that helps, helps authors figure out the crazy, sometimes confusing world of self-publishing. She enjoys yoga, although she's not very bendy, and karate, although she doesn't like the idea of hitting anyone. Welcome, Trudy. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, we always have to bombard our guests with our opening question, which is, how did you find out about SpecFic and Z, and how long have you been a member? Well, I joined again really recently. I went to GeyserCon in Rotorua, and I, um, I realized that I needed to be part of SpecFic. And I was, I've been aware of SpecFic for such a long time, and I'm pretty sure as a member, like maybe eight, nine years ago or something like that. And I just kind of fell out of the habit. But um, I, I got back into it again this year. And um, yeah, that's about that. Great. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Great to be back. <laughs> yeah. I must say I'm a little bit awestruck because, <laughs> yeah. Um, but please tell us, how did Spa Girls all get started? Like, what's the, the origin story? The origin story. <laughs> um, we were... A part of a critique group years and years ago so we were reading each other's work and, and trying to give feedback um, and it, that came out of um, going to Romance Writers of New Zealand conferences so I, I, I was in there with those guys 
And we kind of evolved over time. And then one day we said, why don't we do a podcast? And we recorded this podcast episode and it was the worst thing you've ever heard. <laughs> um, we, were, we were really awful. We had no idea what we were doing. We couldn't figure it out. And, and that didn't go anywhere for probably another year. And then a year later we went, oh, maybe we should try that podcasting thing again. And, and we did. And yeah, we've just kind of quietly, slowly kind of worked our way up in the podcasting world. So networking is clearly one of your tools in your toolbox for, for the authors. So what advice would you give people when it comes to networking with others? I think the biggest thing for me is to always be friendly and genuine, not, not to sort of approach people in a spammy way, like um, just, just to be yourself and just kind of go out there and also not look at it as what they can do for you, but maybe how you can help other people. So looking, always looking for ways to help other people. And then you just never know what's going to come back to you when you do it that way, rather than sort of looking out looking at networking as being a way to get what you can out of all those people. That's what can you do to help them? And, and if you think of it that way, number one becomes easier because you feel like you're helping other people. Um, but also you're just more genuine. You come across better and people are more inclined to help you back. So I think that's a big thing for me. And I must say you have some amazing characters in your books. Like, uh, like you definitely have some diversity, which I love. Now, <laughs> what is your process to make sure you get all the different details of the cultural aspects correct? So mainly May would be the, um, the biggest one that has yep. the cultural aspect. She's a... Well, it didn't start out that way. I just kind of figured out, well, she was a dragon. So where did dragons come from in my head? They come from China. So I figured she was, she had a Chinese mum and she was American born and raised. So I just researched online, honestly, like I looked up all of the aspects that were kind of to do with dragons and the names and I I researched all that kind of thing. But in my mind, May wasn't really raised in a Chinese environment. So she was raised in the States in a very Western environment. So honestly, didn't really do an awful lot of (laughs) cultural things in that way. No, but yeah, you probably got that right there because there is a, quite a lot of people that have actually grown up in America with very little connection to their, their background, but still still have a connection. Mm. So, yeah, and like I said, the interesting characters that don't usually get written about. So I love yeah. that. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, well, uh, I do like, yeah, otherwise it's just this another samey-samey. It's just, she's yeah. a little bit different. She's got something unique going for her. Mm. Yeah. And I've got to confess, I'm totally starstruck too. I've been listening to Spargills for ages. It's totally my number one favorite New Zealand podcast. And I would say it's in my top three of um, writing podcasts. Awesome. And I'm wondering, what is the best thing you've done for your author business? I'm assuming it would be the networking through Spargills, but maybe it's just a consistency or writing in series. Oh, so many things. So many things. I mean, I- <laughs> We've gotten a lot out of the podcast. Um, from that aspect, it's we, we always kind of think of it as a kind of a mastermind for us. So one of the biggest things I would say for me personally is knowing other authors and having, but also having like a tight knit community around me of people who know and understand the kind of things that I'm going through and can kind of talk you down off the ledge when you need it or <laughs> give you advice when you, you know, when, like for example, the Spa Girls, we always help each other figure out titles for books or oh. we think we write the blurbs. So we always sort of, we've got a little group together on Facebook and someone will put up a blurb and say, fix this for me. It's awful. And, <laughs> and so the others will come in and, and whoever's around will have a go at playing with it and, and fixing that blurb if, if we can so and it helps us get better at blurbs but it's also just you know you can never write your own blurb it's awful um, yeah description and, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with Nick's about your characters and so 
do you have a favorite book and if so why or is that like asking people to pick from their favorite children yeah it's a bit like favorite children i am um, oh it's it's hard because the carnival was my first series and i do love oh. the carnival and those characters um but definitely may and the dragons are kind of what I'm currently writing. So I kind of quite yeah. like them too. So I, I don't know. And actually I've got another series. It's an um, epic fantasy. And there's just one book in that series at the moment. And that was the very first book I ever wrote. It took me 10 years to write it. Um, and it wasn't the first book I published. And it's all yeah. very different from what I first wrote. But I love those characters. And I could never quite, you know, a lot of people put their first novel in the top drawer and they never look at it again and I could never quite make myself do that so those characters in there are, are my faves too I don't know I've got so a lot of favorites that into a into a series yeah yeah so it was originally like 140,000 words long yeah. um which is just I mean it's okay for epic fantasy but it's it's a young adult too so this just was too yeah. long so I ended up cutting it in half and making it two books so I've written the second book but it's terrible and <laughs> it's something that I wrote like 10 years ago. So I have to, so that's a really big hurdle. That's one of the big things I'd say is you can never go back. You've got to keep moving forward. But I have to go back to this one book and fix it up. In, in the name of research, um, I've started listening to Sparkles. Excellent. Which is great and is, as, as enjoyable and, and informative as everyone's told me. And I also um, downloaded your, uh, your uh, prequel novella to the Dark Carnival series. Um, for your book funnel, your book funnel um, promotion, which is great because it's the first time as as a customer I've ever participated in book funnel, okay. and it's really cool to see how easy it was. Mm, um, it is so easy. Book funnel is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I read the novella in in one very quick setting, uh, quick setting, <laughs> and it was great. Um, and I've actually um, bought the the first book. Oh uh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, and how so? How would you describe that? Is that paranormal romance? So that first series I wrote when I didn't really know or understand about genres. And actually, this would be another big tip I'd give people is to know and understand genres before you start writing um, for self-publishing. Because that series, I was thinking it was paranormal romance. Like I wrote it as a, in a romance style where you have two main characters and they through the book they they meet and they. Um, have a relationship fall in love and then that's that's the end of them and then the next book is two more characters um, but what I discovered kind of as I was going through there is that I'm more of an urban fantasy author um, and and ro paranormal romance is all about the romance and it's the sexual tension and it's the you know all those things happening between those two characters and I'm kind of more all, I, I like the romance but I want the the adventure and the action and the suspense and the tension and all those other things so I kind of wrote in between two genres and mm. so I, I always sort of say it's a mix but if you really want to have a book that's successful you kind of want to pick one and go with it and know all the tropes and all the expectations of your readers and hit every single one of them that's really interesting actually because I deliberately chose that series as well because these two have keep advising me to read romance and oh, I've never yes. read I've literally never read a, a, a romance um, book which may oh, well okay. be so ignorant I know. <laughs> well, there you go. It's going to be. A, it's it's kind of romance light because I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that way book. That's probably best for me to be honest. I, I like yeah. fantasy, and I'm a bit skeptical about romance. So. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Um, yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I'm glad to hear that. Really. Um, so, not only is it a paranormal romance turning into an urban fantasy, then, but it also seems to be, as a series, like a family saga because, as you said, 
each book is a focus on different characters, but they're the descendants. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it's a and it's a continuing story through this. Yeah, honestly, I'm urban fantasy all the way. I um like I, it's a the same kind of bad guy is is going through the whole series, right? And I've got I've technically got another two books in that series I have to write, but it's just been kind of put down the priorities list so that they can actually have a finale where they get rid of the baddie mm. once and for all. But so it is, and it's yeah, and it's every book you see the previous characters in, which is another big tip for people writing in series that you bring back char- favorite characters from previous cameos. books. Yeah. Cameos. <laughs> um, so that's kind of something I did in those series too, but yeah, it's, it's, um, and I have, I have quite extensive notes on that, that the carnival and what people can do and what, how things work, you know, the whole series Bible that um, otherwise I'd never remember what happened. <laughs> and then, yeah. Still on the subject of John, <laughs> Well, um, I noticed on reading Amazon, your reviews, um, definitely some reference to people saying they love circus books. And I know you said you weren't really writing to market when you started this series, but it's just interesting to think, because we've talked about it a few times on here, about um, those kind of ultra, with, with self-publishing and with eBooks and Amazon, the kind of ultra niche kind of genres and interests you can do. And mm. circus books was never, you know, it's not something I ever considered that there might well be um, a little market out there for, but maybe there is. Yeah. Into it. There's, there's a few, there's not that many to be fair out there. Um, you kind of <laughs> have to have something else to hang your hook on, not just the circus angle. And you kind of got to think about like the, the one thing that I'm always really concerned about is that people um, are really uh, like circuses these days don't tend to have animals in the mm. same way that they used to. And you've got to be really conscious of, so I've got animals in this carnival, but I'm kind of got this guy who's like the most amazing guru with all the animals so much so that he's kind of like an animal whisperer so that I've got to really amp it up so that I don't feel, people don't feel like I'm kind of the circus is going to be abusing these poor animals kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, these other ones, what's um, there's one Caraval and there's the um, magicians. There's lots of different ones out there that are circus-based that you can kind of, um, similar books, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm in danger potentially of going down the circus rabbit hole, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And some Just, more reflections to that. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love circuses. And to be fair, I've used that book as a reason to go to every single circus or circus-like event in the last 10 years, whether or not it was... Yeah, legitimate research. Like, honestly, I've used, yeah. I've used stuff that I've seen. Because really that's cool. a very particular culture too in the, in yeah. the circus, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Mm. So that's interesting, actually. So did you um, research into carnival life or circus life? Mm, I have done some, yeah, definitely. I've um, There's websites and um, I, there was one guy who was posting on, I think it was like a Reddit forum or something like that, and he was talking about all the um, carnival lifestyle and his life as a carny and like this carny, carnival um, slang that you can use. And I, I didn't, I decided in the end that I wasn't going to use, I was going to use my own kind of slang just because yeah. it would, if I got something wrong without really realising it and that kind of thing I just prefer just to make up my own stuff that's why I write fantasy because writing in real life you have to like get your facts right and I yeah absolutely yeah just out of interest I'm just going to jump in there so did the carnival slang have a word for essentially muggles like what do they call the non-carnival folk oh, I can't remember. remember I'm sorry I mean in my books just... I call them um oh god I can't remember what I was calling them they probably just called us the punters or something like yeah 
yeah, yeah, the, real, yeah. the real word in, in American carnivals is rubes. Ah, there you go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, see, I, these things I looked at many moons ago and I, um, I don't remember them. There you go, I've rubes. Retained, I've retained that word purely from Batman comics because <laughs> Robin um, grew up in the oh, circus yes. family. Ah, Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, right. it's amazing where you keep this information, right? I've got I've got a head full <laughs> of random information from yes. my days as a journalist. Yeah, it's totally mm. useless, but um, to me anyway. <laughs> well, no, not if you write a series about the carnival. It'd be well, perfectly I useful. That, actually, once I've finished um, finished reading yours, I might well be yeah. able to. Yeah. Might be good yeah. on a, a pub quiz team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pop quiz team, definitely. Um, for, because I remember all that kind of random crap. Yep. Um, while forgetting all the important stuff. Um, <laughs> so as as we're still a relatively new podcast, uh, Trudy, and obviously you're a really experienced podcaster. Hundreds of thousands of more more downloads than we have. Um, we've got a long way to go to catch up, but um, I'm really interested to find out more about yours. How you plan your episodes? How you kind of put them together? what equipment you use or what software you use. Um, so if you could just give us a bit of an overview of that, it'd be really good. So when we first started out, we had no idea what we were doing. I had to fight and battle my way through the setup. But so things like um, getting a host for the podcast. So we hosted on Libsyn um, and we have a website and the website it goes it goes through Blueberry, which is the, the program that, or the whatever the thing that puts, you can tell that my technical language, right? The thingy <laughs> that goes in the thingo. <laughs> That takes it to the what's it that, yeah. that sends it out to iTunes and Stitcher and the other places. So, so that was actually kind of a battle for us because we were not so te- technologically minded at the time. Um, we've gotten a bit better these days um, over time. So we, we started out just talking to each other and talking about the things that we'd found and the problems we had. And because we're four very different people um, and we do things differently, all of us, um, it, it was kind of an interesting concept. Like, and it was, we tr- always try to make it really casual. Like we're just um, sitting around having a cup of coffee or drinking a glass of wine with some friends and, and that's the style we've kept it. So we've kept it very, very casual. Um, in terms of setup, we all have proper microphones now. We all have proper headsets. We try and, our sound is probably the one thing that we do still get critiqued on because it's sometimes hard to get the, everyone's levels right and things like that. But, um, and we don't do editing afterwards. We just kind of, like a lot of these shows, they have someone come in and edit and they put in the intro and the outro and they make it all sound pretty. And, and we don't do that because it's just us doing it. And really the podcast isn't our main source of income it's just something that we do because we love talking to people and we love um, the interaction and we're just trying to help people out understand self-publishing and and you know and try and get people from where we used to be to where we are now kind of thing just helping helping people out so we just everything we do is trying to keep it as a lower barrier as possible if that makes sense like you know when you when you make it too hard or you try and make it too formal you, you don't do it because it just is yeah so everything is all about us being able to do it easily um in terms of of organization so we have a monthly meeting where we sit down and um, I'm I'm in Cambridge and the others are all in Auckland so different cities so we do it via Skype and we plan out at least the month if not the next month so we had that meeting the other day and we discussed who would like as guests um, and other topics that we wanted to cover often it's a topic that's relevant to us so 
I was um, looking into pre-orders the other week and I thought, you know what, I'd really like to know more about pre-orders. So let's do an episode on it. And that way it forces me to kind of go out and ask people and find out some information about it. Because I'm the annoying um, nosy slash, I don't know, brazen journalist type, I am generally the one who goes out and asks our, our potential guests. And often, I mean, we do get some people emailing us and suggesting themselves as topics. And some people clearly haven't realized what kind of a podcast we are. We get people emailing and saying, I've got a spa or some spa <laughs> product that I want to promote on your show. And it's like, maybe oh, no. a little bit further into the details of our show. But yeah, we get people that way sometimes. And otherwise, we mainly decide who we want to talk to and who we, what we want to talk about. Um, and we have an avatar in mind. Like we, when we first, we, we did it because a few of us have kind of got this marketing style background we sat down when we very first started and said who are we doing this for like who is our audience why do we why do we do this what who are we aiming this at and we keep we, we came up with this one ideal read ideal listener and, and if you hear anything about books that's something you can do for your newsletter as well like think of one ideal newsletter subscriber or one ideal reader and and when you're writing your newsletter for example you write to that one person and so we are doing our podcast to this one person that we, we made up in the very beginning and, and where their level of skills are at and what, uh, you know, what they like to do and that kind of thing. And it's all aimed at that person. And that's helped us make decisions over time in terms of why we're doing this or, you know, like, is this topic going to be useful for this person? Is it too advanced is actually like, I, I notice a lot of the other podcasts that I used to listen to way back when that used to be kind of more basic are getting really advanced now. Like you kind of almost too advanced, like, past the point where they're, they're trying to do all this stuff that is completely relevant to them and their careers, but is not so relevant to the beginner or to someone starting out or yeah. kind of or mid-range, you know, like they, they've kind of gotten too advanced. So that's, yeah, that's kind of what we were doing. <laughs> does that kind of answer all your questions? I can't remember. Wow, it does, nearly. nearly. Um, really? Yeah, no, that's really in-depth. And I know that um, I know that a few of our listeners um, do their own podcasts or have done in the past as well. So I'm sure they'll be able to pick up some tips from what you've just said. And I think, we certainly will. Mm. Um, just one thing you mentioned before we started recording, or at least I think while the recording might have still been a bit secret. Yeah. The secret recording <laughs> from prior um, to the podcast. I promise I will edit out. <laughs> um, especially what you said about your co-host. Yeah, um, yeah those, those guys are awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, said, uh, you said you'd stopped using Zoom, um, which is what we record. On. Oh, no, we started using Zoom. Sorry. Oh, okay. So we have used Skype all of this time because it's free mm. to us. And Zoom costs money if you do a recording more than 40 minutes, which given that we like to ramble on for long periods of time, despite the fact that our intro says that it will be 30 minutes of honest advice, it is never 30 minutes of honest advice. No, that's the same for us. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. Zoom is something. But we're, we're kind of looking into ways to um, monetize it as well. We're looking into potential sponsorships. And well, I don't see why you couldn't advertise spa um, pools and things like that. Well, yeah. potentially we could. <laughs> I know. Spa pools are really expensive, so those people must have a yeah. lot of money. If we could get yeah. some kind of kickback, some kind of commission, yeah. I yeah. totally, I totally, you know, do the spa pool route. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. you guys are, you guys have got the ideas. I don't know why I didn't come on here years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm glad you're here now. Anyway, thank you. Um, okay, so um, I know you've only recently rejoined. So we ask our, our guests. We always ask our guests. Um, so, what have you personally found is the best thing about belonging to our little society? Well, this podcast has to rate up pretty highly <laughs> oh. <laughs> you guys are pretty good 
<laughs> we'll sponsor your podcast. Oh, well, you are, thanks. <laughs> if I'd known it was that easy, I would have been here yeah, again, years ago. Don't think Matt is planning on paying you in money. <laughs> oh, oh no. Okay. Spending all my money on the Zoom account, so uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where can our listeners find you online, Trudy? Okay, a couple of places. Well, mainly on my website, which is www.trudyjwrites.com and I'm on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Trudy J author I think is the is the place um, I'm on Twitter but I never go there so don't bother catching up with you there and if you want to check out the Spa Girls we're spargirlspodcast.com so we'd love to have a few more listeners and come and listen to us from there as well yeah. thank you very much for coming on our podcast yeah, well, sorry yes, thank I'm you. jumping in there. there there are no other questions I take it yeah no we're all good no. I, mean, I could honestly talk for hours about self-publishing you just ask away well just to warn you so I'm, I'm definitely until we actually sign off I'm going to keep recording because quite often I'll stop recording at this point and then people and then say, we say good stuff mm. yeah. so, no, just, um, you, you mentioned before that you're going to the um, 20 books to 50k books. is mm. there something in particular that you're really looking forward to hearing then to, to be fair the reason I, I've been to I've been to the Smarter Artists Summit I've been to um, Romance Writers of America um, what other ones I've been to? I can't think right now. But and the best thing I always get out of them is meeting the other people. I think yeah. that's the one yeah. thing that the one downside of us living in New Zealand is that we we miss out on those connections that these guys get all the time. But from going to these yeah. kind of conferences, so um, I'm going to like Jasmine Waltz has a, a kind of a, a gathering at Twenty Books. I'm going to that, and I'm going to stalk Lindsay Baroka, and I'm going to find her, and I'm going to make her be my best friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she doesn't know this yet. She might be a bit creeped out by me, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think you're Pardon? the only one with that plan. I think she's one of our listeners. Is so. she? Oh, well, there you go. So um, now I've completely ruined my plans. Oh. Now you, you can take dog treats. I'm sure she'll be happy to have some for a, for a dog. Just tell her that you went to um, uh, high school with um, Peter Jackson or something like that. And, yeah, yeah. You know. And she'll be my best buddy. Yeah. Well, I live half an hour from Hobbiton. Surely that's a, that's a conversation yeah. starter. Absolutely. Count for something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can I get a discount. Yeah. 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 I could get her a discount, a five percent discount yeah. into Hobbiton. There she'd be, she jump for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, New Zealand is really small enough that the two degrees of separation is oh, so true. Totally. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, my partner was doing some training the other day, and she she mentioned, and she's British as well, and she mentioned to the Kiwis in the room. You know, there's only two degrees of separation and they got a bit offended. And then later on in the conversation, it became very clear that um, there was absolutely two degrees of separation between the people in the room and the people that we wanted to get them in front of. Mm. Just within a matter of, you know, they completely had to admit that, yes, there yeah. are. Yeah, there was only two degrees. Well, I've, I was, I've traveled a fair bit and I was in the States, random little backpackers somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And some American girl said to me, oh, where are you from? And I said, oh, New Zealand. She goes, oh, my God, I know someone from New Zealand. And she named this person. And I really wanted to be able to say no, that I didn't know them. And New Zealand has four million people. But I actually knew this person. And yeah. I, was, I, I, I literally stood there trying to decide whether I was going to say yes or no. And I, I just, in the end, I said yes. But I, so I left this an American girl with this impression yeah, with this that New Zealanders all know yeah. each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very annoying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And are you going to the um, Romance Writers Conference, the New Zealand Romance Writers Conference at the end of this month? Yes, I am indeed going. Excellent. I'm going there. It's going to be my first Romance Writers Conference. Oh, wow. They are amazing. Really I, I, yeah. I, don't really, I don't write romance so much, although I do love yeah. romance. I, I read lots of romance books. Yeah, no, but same. I, um, 
yeah but they're just yeah. they're so helpful aren't they they're so they helpful really friendly and those those yeah. conferences are the best conferences because we get the same people like i've i've met um christopher vogler i've met michael haig i've met um who else has come down bell um, james scott bell these people and oh. and normally they would like i've been to a couple of romance writers of america conferences and those are two thousand women in high heels yeah. and power sh- power <laughs> suits <laughs> shoulder pads and they're all yeah. there to they're all go-getters and, and you're yeah. kind of competing in that environment as a teacher you go to rwnz and you are competing with maybe 120, 150 other people, and a lot. Oh, they're all New Zealanders, so they're all shy. No one's putting themselves forward. So, <laughs> you kind of a, if you got a bit of a, a bit of an opinion, you can you can put it forward, and you're going to be okay. Mm. Um, so, so they and they they do such a great job. The organisers of those conferences, they, yeah, the 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 content is, is always really really good. I, I always go thinking, oh, I've never heard of this person, and I leave going, wow, they're the best person I've ever met. You know, yeah. So. They're also very yeah. friendly to indies as well, so that's always a good thing. Mm, yeah, not, yeah. Not and, and that's interesting because it's not always the same at, um, in different conferences. No. Like, oh. yeah, and the progression yeah. of of indie is a really interesting thing. I went to a conference. I've been to about three Romance Writers of America conferences, and I went to one the first one like years and years ago, like maybe ten. I can't think eight years ago I'm trying to no it must have been longer than that maybe it was 10 years ago and I remember going to this conference and being told that if you dared to self-publish that was it your your hopes of publishing traditionally were over it was a it was the disaster zone you you couldn't you know you had to pick one or the other and if you went self-publishing that was it and then the next time I went like a few years later it was like oh no self-publishing is an opportunity to show that your books can sell to the traditional publishers and you might find that they'll (laughs) pick you up and and did it yeah and then now you go to those conferences and it's like all about you know self-publishing is the way forward you don't need the traditional yeah. publishers because so it's been really interesting to see that kind of change of of perspective over time Ooh. it's 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 really cool people see self-publishing as a i mean not ordinary people who don't know anything about writing and oh, no. but but people in the industry people other writers you, it is it has become something that's one of one of the things i should have asked you actually which um did occur to me at the time and i have asked other guests about this is um just the novella i read just did not know you know there's no way as a normal punter that i would have um realized it was self the quality mm. of the cover the, the editing yeah i love the covers <laughs> layout everything it's just like a, you know it's like a traditionally published book and yeah. that's increasingly the norm. Yeah, you have to be like that now. There's there's no way that you... It used to be that you could pluck in the old cover on the book and it wouldn't have to be edited and, and you could still get attention. But these days, it's definitely a lot more competitive out there in self-publishing. And if you are going to get attention to your books, you do definitely need to invest in editors, get it, get it edited um, properly. And, you know, I, I see people saying, oh, you know, but I, I resent having to pay for editing because I can do it myself. Well... I'm, I've been, I'm a professional editor. I was, that's what I did as a job for years. I was a journalist. I was, I'm, I'm high, I, I consider myself pretty good at English, you know, and I, I have, but I, I have to get someone else to come in and look at my, my writing because you don't see everything. You can't possibly see everything. Um, it's just not how your brain works. You, your brain just tells you what it wants, you, what you want to see and you, you're not going to pick everything up. So you really need an editor. Um, and you can get editors that work freelance for the traditional publishing houses too, you know, just, just depends how much you want to pay. Um, and covers, again, cover is the first opportunity to sell your book. It's, it's like the, 
and if, if you don't catch them with that cover people pass you by so they're so important and yeah it's, it's really competitive out there now so you need to get you need to be on point with those definitely that would be my my another tip <laughs> know your genre get a good and know and like you look at covers we we do this in our, our workshop that we run we have covers from different genres and you, you should be able to look at the cover yeah, absolutely. and know what genre it is straight away. And there are some like, like honestly, cozy mysteries, they have the weirdest covers. Like I, mm. I don't normally read that, but a friend of mine, like Cheryl, Cheryl started um, from the, from the Spar Girls podcast, started publishing cozy mysteries. And I, and she came out with this cover and I was like, what is this? And then when I went and looked at all the other, it was like right on point. She had it exactly yeah. right. Like, was it all it, the cartoon characters? Yeah. And just, and it was yeah. like, hers is a one with kind of baking and cooking stuff in it. And then, yeah. things like that. So you, it's all very much the apple pie on the cover and things like that. And it's just, that's what those covers are like. And that's what you have to know. You need to know your genre that you're putting it up in. So and this is nothing that the traditional publishers haven't always known or done. Yeah. It's just that we have to do it for ourselves now. We yeah. have to know these things. Yeah, and yeah and they haven't had the competition before, so and now they do. That's my rant. Yeah. <laughs> Except that uh, with self-publishing, it's a little bit blind because traditionally published, they could look at their backlist and kind of see where everything's going. Where we have to kind of guess. <laughs> Like when we look at covers, like, oh, yeah, it says that it's it's this, but we have no idea how well it's doing or and whether we should go with that cover or things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of guesswork as well. I wish oh, you mean looking uh, at covers on, online? Yeah. No, or? trying to figure out, like, the analytics behind okay. it all. There are some people that will charge you and send out little things and like that, but there's still a lot of stuff that we don't know that I wish Amazon would kind of say, here is a lovely PDF with a lot of graphs on it that says you what's selling and what's not. You can do some things. You can do some things. Like you can look at books that are doing well in that, like so the top 20 in a particular category on Amazon and then go look at where they're sitting in the rankings as well. Like so the any books that are kind of 10,000 or less that, that you can they're doing okay like that's yeah. kind of what you want to aim for um a thousand and less you know the rank of the book um is if it's less than a thousand they're doing very very well like so those kind of numbers you can kind of use to give you an indication I, there yeah. are definitely ways to sort of tell like you don't want to so you, you like you say you, you go on there and you find a book in in your category and then you copy the well not copy but you use that the um the cover as an example yeah for what you want to do and then you discover that book is like ten hundred thousand in the store or a million in the store that's not the right book to be copying you know or to be using as your example you're not copying (laughs) (laughs) keep saying that influence yeah using to influence your um your style but um but there's definitely like it's not it's not hard to look into a into a genre and know what the you know like you know for yourself like we've always used symbols to yes. understand things right like as humans yep. that's what we do we use symbols to make things easier to figure out and understand and that's all covers are they're they're just shortcuts so a reader can look yeah. at that co- that cover and immediately know whether it's in a genre that they and they might not be able to articulate that you mm-hmm. as an author need to be art- able to articulate that but they won't but they just need to be able to look at it straight away and know you know bare chested man it's a romance um yeah. spaceship it's a it's a um science, science fiction <laughs> you know dragons it's probably epic fantasy but maybe uf you know like it's there's definitely we all know it we just have to think yeah. about it and yeah yeah i still say that the most promising um genre at the moment or subgenre is i actually um 
downloaded one of Craig Martel's books, um, who's uh, one of the people mm. that runs 20 books to 50K, because I thought if I'm going to be listening to what he's saying, I want to read one of his books. Um, and his, his genre, the genre that I downloaded anyway, and he's got a whole massive series and it's been very successful, is about lawyers in space in the future. <laughs> yeah. He does, and it's like, he's, wow, there is actually an audience for that. Yeah. Possibly not as there's big the as thing, there's an audience for everything. No. Yeah. What, are the, what are the lawyers in space doing? They're um, using law in space, basically. Like, ba- so basically, the, the, book I read, the book I read was about copyright infringement on this sports planet and these kind of humans um, with aliens living on it. But it's like a kind of human galactic federation. And so it's a bit Star Trek-y in terms of, I would say, in terms of feel. And um, they were going to investigate copyright violations or something. <laughs> Can't quite uh, remember now. It was yeah. it was a very quick, easy read. I mean, it was extremely well professionally well written and a real page turner. I'm never going to read another one again in my entire life. But it, <laughs> it was very well done. He's got he's got a lot of different series. I've just I was yes. reading his book, the release strategies ones, and he was he's very open and honest about like one of his series that he thought was going to do amazingly well just just drop like a I don't know something that's heavy and drops to the bottom of the pond. Uh, where versus other series like the one you're talking about that that do very well, and I'm not sure he knew precisely what the difference was he just writes these books and he's very very prolific and he he work, he's a very very hard working person so he yeah oh it's um, amazing his work like yeah. his, his output rate is amazing yeah he's a lawyer too you you knew that yeah he, he was yeah. actually a lawyer and he's really smart i think he was like valedictorian of either his high school or university or something i don't know he's a smart dude um so I don't know. He he seems to be doing all right for himself. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Okay, um, Trudy, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some of that bit will definitely be edited in <laughs> into, the, into the main body of the show. That was extra useful information tonight. <laughs> that I rant about.